Hi, and welcome to Season 3 of Emetophobia Help. I'm your host, Anna Christie, licensed therapist, author, and recovered emetophobic. Trigger warning for these podcasts will be words and sometimes a story, but I try to make sure they're not too gross. For you therapists who are listening, Dr. David Russ, child psychologist, and I have a new resource website for you at emetophobia.net, and there are self-help instructions there as well if you're looking for exposure resources. Um, people with emetophobia, I have a new Facebook group that I made called Emetophobia No Panic, which has very strict rules and is more about sharing success therapy information, and so on, more so than the other groups. If you're enjoying this podcast or you find it helpful, you can buy me a coffee for a couple of bucks or a couple of pounds. Just scroll down in the notes to see the link. So I'm here today with Karen, who is from Cheshire, England. Hi, Karen. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself if you would like. What do you do and are you married? Um, so, uh, yeah, so I'm Karen. Um, I'm, I'm married with two children who are seven and five. Um, wow. And I am... Um, I've kind of I've had a few things I've done a few things in my life but I'm currently um, a, a specialist dyslexia teacher and I also work with in a college with students who have all um, got um, autism mental health issues. Wow, that's um, really interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. I've been a primary school teacher as well so for, for, for a lot of time. So, tell us about your metaphobia then. When did it start? And what's... So I can't remember exactly when it started, but I definitely remember um, it being when I was about nine or ten, I think, around that time. And I can vividly remember um, kind of two instances instances of getting ill. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of, I think, kind of that's when it started. Um, there was also an instance, an instant in someone in my, someone next to me at school getting ill, um, mm -hmm. which I can remember. And also... Um, there was just a few things I did. My mom um, was an alcoholic. She drank quite a lot. So she was sick quite a bit, but I don't remember it being, that isn't the memories I have, but whether or mm. not it's, it's part of it. I, I'm not, I can't remember. Um, and um, yeah, it was when I was nine or 10 and then it kind of just, I kind of just didn't like it. It didn't, I don't think it really affected anything I did. I don't think, I don't remember having any safety behaviours. I just remember, there's only one time I remember when I was in a car with my friend and she started to feel unwell. And I had a, I, that, that's the only time I can kind of think I had a panic attack at a young age and we just had to stop the car and let her out and I felt better. Um, but apart from that, it kind of just, I just kind of got on with it and just, it didn't really, I know I didn't like it, but it didn't kind of affect me very much. Um, and then I went to university and obviously, um, I was a long way from home and there's alcohol involved and people get right. poorly a bit more often. And um, and I worked in the, the student union, like the university yeah. bar. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember oh. that being quite hard. Um, that, that was quite hard. Um, and I kind mm -hmm. of didn't do that for a very long time because it, it was, it was very difficult. Um, 
And then it's just kind of gradually got worse and worse and worse as I've got older. Um, it's kind of, um, like I say, when I was younger, I didn't like um, sick, but I didn't, it didn't really, I don't really remember it kind of ruling my life. Whereas I feel like at times it, it rules my life and I've got a lot of safety behaviours and and whether or not I've just always done them and I've only now recognised them as that, I'm not sure. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I've, I was, my, my, Emetophobia is more about other people um, rather than myself um, being okay. ill. Mm-hmm. Unless it's contagious, that's that's what kind of that's my worry then. Um, but it's more it's other people, um, and so it's just um, yeah. So it's just so harder now with having get... two small children. So it's more about other people, but what happens if it's contagious? So like, is it... that worse or? Yeah, so so I kind of um, I, I, it's it's more about other people, um, okay. but then if other people are ill, then I start to worry that I'll I'll get it if it's a bug, um, whereas I'm not really it's not uh, I do have food I have had food issues in the past, but I can speak mm-hmm. about that when I speak about the, the kind of the therapy I've had, but um, it's um, right. it's more about um, it's more about other people. It's, it's more about other people getting ill near okay. me. That's that's my main but thing. You, but if you're afraid of um, them being contagious, then you're also afraid that you'll yes. as well? Okay. But you don't generally think about it? Is that, is that, like, say you're all alone and there's no one else around. Are you okay or are you still thinking about it? Um, it yeah, so I, I do think, I do think about myself getting it, but it's not, um, yeah. Like I, I, I don't, um, I don't um, kind of my f- my food things. I think are much better now, so I don't do things to stop myself getting ill. It's more about okay. avoiding being around other people that may get ill. Okay. If sure. if someone else yeah. is ill and then it's contagious, then that's when yeah. I start to. Then oh, it's when okay. it can start to yeah. spiral. Yeah. Sorry, I don't so think I made that say, very clear. No, it's okay. You know, um, there are so many different manifestations of this phobia and combinations of what you're describing. That's why I'm asking questions, because I've seen, you know, clients who have, I, I'm always still amazed that there are new clients that have new ways of being afraid of it, you know, different different kind of things. But if you um, were near someone vomiting, but you knew that they were pregnant and or or you knew that they had food poisoning or something would you be afraid yes okay but not yeah so it doesn't really matter no and it's it's more of um it's the anticipation for me it's not the actual when it happens Mm -hmm. I can deal with it absolutely fine I can deal with absolutely fine when it happens it's the anticipation and then it's the after if it is something contagious or there is a a threat that I could catch something that would then make me ill then that's it's Mm -hmm. that period that it's the before and the after for me it's not the actual yes yeah yeah because if because yeah if it happened I, I could deal with it but it would be what's happened beforehand and then it would be the after the bit after would be I'd be very right yeah I think that a lot of people, I think, well, almost everyone I would say who's a metaphobic has the anticipatory anxiety because phobics of all kinds will catastrophize what they're afraid of. Um, your brain, not the logical part of your brain, but the, the anxious part of your brain is what catastrophizes. So even though you might not 
know if it's in, that it, you, know, you might know that something isn't dangerous, but you know, you make sort of a big catastrophe. So the anticipation is always of a big catastrophe, but then when it really happens, it's not a catastrophe. So then you're kind of okay. Right. Yeah. But then afterwards you think, Oh, well, what about this other catastrophe that could happen? Yeah. Though? You know, <laughs> yeah. so, that, so that's probably the before and after, but it's still all anticipatory anxiety. That's what a phobia is. It's anticipating a big catastrophe that is not a catastrophe. It's just a normal part of life. Uh, dogs, birds, uh, small places, flying, you know, yeah. uh, clowns. Uh, yeah. I mean, all of that, like, you know, uh, needles, blood, it's all part of life, but we tend to, yeah, our brains get triggered and we make this big deal out of it. Like it's this big, huge deal, which, and we often wonder why other phobics find something to be such a big deal, you know, like needle phobia. I, I really, I mean, I see it. I know people, I get it, but I don't get it. It's like, one second or it's less than a second it's a little yeah. tiny it's nothing it's so nothing and they freak out so badly and won't get vaccinated against covid and you know and then uh i know someone who's had covid three times and, and it's terrified of um needles and i was like you know this covid is going to be around like forever now because it's all over the world now and it's everywhere and you're going to keep getting sick three times a year. Like you're going to get it and get it and get it. Yeah. Like, so, uh, especially with the kind of work she does, like not everyone's exposed like she is. But anyway, that, uh, that's off the topic. Okay. Um, I wanted to go back for a moment. Um, you were in a car with a friend. How old were you in the car with a friend? I think it must have been like maybe 11 and you were 11 years old and you stopped the car and let her out? Like, tell me, surely you didn't <laughs> leave she, her by the side of the road. No. <laughs> right. so, um, my, my, my granddad was driving and we were going to his, his holiday home and um, she got travel sick and um, uh -huh. she fell ill. And I just, um, it's, the, it's the only time I can remember as a child having what I think must have been a panic attack. And I just mm -hmm. couldn't, I was panicking. And I was just saying to my grandma, stop the car, stop the car. And we got her out, we stopped the car and she got out of the car and she wasn't sick, but she did uh -huh. look very well. And then we stopped the car, let her have some fresh air. And then we got back in the car uh -huh. and then we went back, drove, finished the journey to the holiday home. And I remember yeah. it being quite a, yeah, a nerve wracking yeah. journey. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, that was nice of him to stop the car too. You know, just, yeah. there's a lot of... <laughs> A lot of parents and grandparents will not stop the car and they're like, oh, you're being silly, you know, and then you just have this trauma, like re-traumatize the child yeah. by having someone be sick in the car or whatever or them. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to ask you about that because that was, that was a, kind of an interesting, um, how, and you went to university, you were working a student union bar. Um, and did you live like in a dorm or were you close to home? Uh, I, uh, no, I was like seven hours away from home. So I, I lived, yeah. um, I lived in like my own room. Yeah. I had my own room. Um, I didn't okay. share with anyone. Um, mm -hmm. and then I, I shared a house with friends, um, none of who particularly got ill <laughs> very often yeah, so, okay. or <laughs> didn't, didn't seem to. Yeah. And it, yeah, I think it didn't really 
it kind of was there and it's always been like a standing joke between me and my friends like oh Karen doesn't like sick it's like it's okay. and like if we go yeah. if we went on a holiday on a plane they'd know to sit round me so that okay. I wasn't yeah. um just it just things it just yeah. it just developed it like just to have your own little safety yeah. things um and it's just always yes. been like a, a standing joke really that I'm scared sick but it's um yeah, I think people don't people underestimate how much it kind of how many safety behaviors you have and how it kind of can rule your life and how it affects oh, yeah. every aspect of your life. Um, yeah. And I have had I have had therapy for it, and I am on my getting better. But yeah, I think people kind of think you think you're just being a bit silly. I think like oh, nobody likes sick, but I think it's they don't realize the extreme how extreme yes. it is. Yeah, yeah. Um... It's, I, I think, well, good for you, first of all, for telling your friends what, what you were afraid of, even though they didn't really get it. It's like, it's not about not liking it. It's about thinking about it constantly. You know, it's, it's about it ruining your life and it, it being rather debilitating. But wow, when I was in university or high school, I didn't, I, I told no one. I just tried to hide it because I thought I was the only person on earth that had, you know, no internet. This shows how old I am. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, tell us about the therapy that you've had that has, well, it, has it all been helpful or any of it not been helpful? Um, so I've had a few kind of things, and not just for the emetophobia kind of. So I've had mm -hmm. hypnotherapy um, for, mm -hmm. and that kind of um, was very nice but I don't really mm -hmm. feel like it helped me a great deal. Um, I've yeah. had CBT and I've had that it two, in two separate occasions in my life. So I had it a good few years ago. Um, and that was for kind of um, not emetophobia kind of stuff. And it was for other stuff, mm -hmm. which, which was really helpful. And then just before COVID, I went back to CBT um, and we kind of worked through a lot of stuff and, and it came down to it that actually this this phobia was was actually causing a lot of everything else um and so right. we worked a lot on my food exposure like my food what okay. I do with food so uh -huh. for example I don't eat food that's been frozen and defrosted I avoid chicken I smell milk all the time I just got all these safety behaviors so we went through wow. every single every single food every single thing I right. did and then I would have mm -hmm. like a week of eating chicken and I'd have to grill the chicken fry the chicken defrost mm -hmm. frozen chicken and eat it have fr chicken when I went out and, and every week would be a different mm. thing um, and that really That's helped good. like I'll yeah eat, I'll eat yeah that really really helped like that, that was really helpful it was over a couple of months and we did kind of all different meats and foods and yeah went through it step by step and it was really helpful and then we were just about to start exposure therapy for actual um sick but I'm not sure yeah. if it now what I know now I'm not sure because she was my my therapist was talking about going to the accident and emergency um hospital yep. and sitting in the right. waiting room um mm -hmm. which I, I just didn't feel ready to do and anyway a few weeks no. later Covid hit and that was that was yeah there's no doing that anymore there's no right? there's no doing yeah. that so it kind of yeah. I, I wasn't ready to do it um and anyway then COVID hit so I haven't I haven't been able to do any exposures with with a therapist um but I have read um the Ken uh, I'm working my way through the Ken Goodman book 
um, and on the exposures. Did you do on that. his exposure? Yeah, you did his exposures of a little. Um, uh, I'll just say for viewer, uh, viewers, <laughs> like I'm a TV host, which I've never been. <laughs> uh, for the listener, for listeners out there, Ken Goodman wrote a book called The Emetophobia Manual. And in it, he has some QR codes that you point your phone at and your camera on your phone and you click on the little link and it'll go to a picture or a video or something. So when he doesn't have to put them in the book, but yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. So you worked through those exposures. Yeah, yeah I'm still, yeah, I'm still, I was, I was doing really well and then it's just got really busy with work and everything and I've kind of let it slip and it's, it, I can feel that I've let it slip because I was doing them every day, like while eating and all that. And then I've kind of not been right. doing it as regularly and I can feel it that I haven't. So I've gotten up to the, the cartoon video part that's okay. where I'm at I'm making okay. my list of higher my hierarchy video my hierarchy list so I'm kind of there so mm -hmm. I need to I need to get back into it but it's a brilliant but I've really found it really helpful um yeah kind of just to work through yeah and mm -hmm. I also shared it with my husband kind of what I was doing and because obviously he watches the videos and just finds them funny like the yeah. cartoon ones so I'm like it's not funny like and he was like yeah. he was hysterical like laughing and laughing I was like I don't find it funny yeah. so anyway and it was just really nice to share that with him and say look this is what I've got to do and I think it gives him an understanding of kind of yeah a bit more understanding so we're kind of it's it's a really accessible book for everybody yeah yes it is yeah um yeah, it reminds me of, I probably said this on my podcast already, but I'm getting old. So, you know, tell stories twice. Um, my son and I, I, I run my, the videos on my exposure website, the resources mm. website, I run them past my family. And my son-in-law, who was, I don't think he was even married yet to my daughter. They've been married 12 years now, but it was a while ago. And he'd never had a pet, a cat or a dog in his entire life because his dad's allergic. So I have a little video of some kittens and there are two kittens that are fighting, wrestling, and a third kitten comes over and throws up and the two kittens like freeze in the middle of wrestling. He literally fell on the floor, like literally fell down on the floor laughing. Like he was lying on the floor laughing <laughs> at that video. And he, because he just didn't, he doesn't know anything about cats or kittens, I guess. So I, I was like, okay, well, I guess, you know, some people find it funny. So that's why it's on the internet. Yeah. 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 I've seen that one. Yeah. I think I've looked at, I've, I've used your website as well and I've looked at it. But yeah, it's, it's just, they just yeah. find it funny. And it just, I just don't find it funny. But I, yeah. but it, it, it does get easier. So I, 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 the, it, it does work the more you do it, it does work and right. I think it's just kind of I've read yeah. that book is a really good kind of steady way of breaking you into that and then you can just kind of get going with it so yeah um yeah but yeah. The, the, like I say yeah. the food the, the food exposure that I had as well that was really wow. helpful that yeah. that got rid of a lot of safety behaviors yes that sounds fantastic I, I wrote that down it sounds like such a good idea to you know, eat chicken for a week, like all different ways and then go out yeah. and eat chicken, you know, um, and chicken um, is, well, I'm a white meat person. So, you know, the dark meat people would say that I only eat the bland, boring, tasteless part of the chicken, but you can cover it in so many great sauces and things <laughs> that I really yeah. like chicken. You know, it goes with everything, goes with rice and potatoes and, you know, whatever you want. And it's, um, better for you than beef I guess as a protein if you're gonna eat meat I suppose um and yeah there are 
there are people who like, what else did you have uh, for food issues that probably our listeners could identify with besides the chicken? Uh, So milk, I smelt milk like (laughs) obsessively. And so she made me not smell milk. And she said, if it's off, you'll know when you pour it into your tea or your coffee, you'll see it's not okay. Yeah. She said, or you'll taste yeah. it. She said, you don't need to smell it. And right. so she forced me and I had to make tea for everyone, a cups of tea all week for everybody not smelling the okay. milk. And so not did that. Um, yeah. So we did that. Um, all different. So we had sausages, we had um, chicken, we had beef, we had fish. Um, mm-hmm. She, it was things like grill. I never grilled anything. So it was like grilling it, frying it, defrosting okay. it, used, so defrosting right. it and then cooking it. Um, taking mm-hmm. it to work for lunch, but not putting it in the fridge. Because I had this thing of if it didn't go in the fridge all day, I wouldn't have it at mm-hmm. lunch. It's like a salad. Yeah. I wouldn't eat a salad if it hadn't been in the fridge. So it was things, it was just really oh, pushing, okay. me out, pushing me out of my comfort yeah. zone. Um, right. And just like not, just things like encouraging me to go out without looking at the food hygiene rating of a restaurant <laughs> before I right. went. Right, right, yeah. Or yeah, just that's kind of. another common one. Yeah, and just, it was just, we just, we really, we really went through and kind of looked at exactly what it was that I was doing, my safety behaviours and what it was that was causing me to be anxious and just broke it down Mm -hmm. and just targeted one and made a plan each week. So I had a a little plan in my diary, what I was going to do that next week. And then we'd check in the next week and set the new one. So yeah, it was, it was, it did really work. That's really good. Did you have um, any, well, I want to say before I ask this question, I want to just point out it. Yes, that was a brilliant idea that your therapist had and a, a great way of doing it. But you must be incredibly courageous as well. Because just because that's a good idea doesn't mean people will do it. You know, that lots of people would be like, I'm not, I'm not ready to yeah. check, just like you're not ready to go sit in the waiting room. Yeah, that, at the I was, ER. was going to say, uh, you know, that's how I felt about like, that. So yeah, right. I th- yeah, I think I knew it was achieve I think I knew I could probably do it with a bit of encouragement and I think yeah I think it probably yeah so um yeah that's very like I think I I am quite a determined person and I think I got to the stage where it it really was ruling my life and I was like am I I I don't yeah it just it was getting too much but like like you said when they said you were going to go and sit in the in the emergency room I was just like no yeah, there was no, no way. Yeah, so no, I wasn't. That is like at the very top of a anybody's hierarchy who's an emetophobic because there are people there vomiting and they might be contagious. Like there's nothing yeah. higher than that, <laughs> right? Except purposely making yourself vomit, yeah. which isn't helpful at all. So that's the top of everybody's hierarchy. I had so many therapists tell me to do that at the beginning, before there were even websites like you know, mine or like the exposure in Ken Goodman's book or, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, David Russ and I, and there's another thing, not everyone may be familiar, I probably say it at the intro, but emetophobia.net is our new website of resources for children and adults and uh, for exposure. Starts really easy with words and sentences and paragraphs and drawings and cartoons that my um, partner, writing part business partner David Russ, um, who I wrote wrote our book with. He's a child psychologist. He drew them anyway. So, and he did some that are gifs that are vomiting cartoons, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah. So there, there's there's all kinds of stuff out there now. Is the point? 
And when you're ready to look at videos, which comes much later, um, you know, you can go through the ones on our website. I think, I think there are some in the book. Yeah. In, yeah. in, in Metaphobia Manual, there are some videos. And then, then you can, you know, at the end of all that, you can be brave and go to YouTube and just type in, you know, bar for puke or some silly word because uh, throw up maybe they don't use normal words uh, like vomiting <laughs> on YouTube whoever whoever takes videos of people vomiting on rides and stuff and then you can just you know without knowing what you're going to see that's the next step kind of yeah that makes sense like, yeah, yeah I think where and to be able to watch just tv without kind of Right. Like I know yeah. episodes of programs that I just won't watch again because it just catches me out. I, it, that's not oh, that yeah. doesn't bother me so much now. But yeah, like right. I know you've spoken about bridesmaids before, but yeah, that's that's one that I won't watch again. <laughs> and um, and we've that's got, one your, your your husband probably laughs his head yeah. off of that one, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, like you say, it's the unknown. It's yeah. it's being caught out unexpected yeah. that you're kind of trying to prepare yourself for. So yeah, I'll definitely yeah, take a look at them when I'm ready to. A lot of, you know, when I get to the point to do sounds with people, after we usually do it after videos, um, but sometimes some of the videos near the end are harder and they have hard sounds. So I go over to the sounds and there's, I have a, we have, David and I have a link that goes to this Hollywood sounds website that you can listen to sounds. And there are 102, as of today, sounds of vomiting. So anybody who has this, vomiting wave file can send it to them um and they upload it and then it's they sell them actually but you can still hear the whole thing and you know you have to pay to download it but you can anyway some of them are fake some of them are funny some of them sound like they're auditioning for the walking dead but they didn't get the part you know <laughs> they're like blah, blah, blah. it doesn't even sound like vomiting and some of them are real and some of them are are really disgusting, and some of them are like cough. Maybe coughing triggers you. Maybe gagging triggers you. Maybe sound of it splashing on the floor or in the toilet mm. triggers you. And they do have a description. And some of them are only one second long, and some of them are, go up to a minute. And so that's a really good thing to do is to go to the sounds, and uh, that's at a metaphobia.net, and and just you know, you don't know what you're going to get. So, um, yeah, there is re there's research right now that shows that it's actually better to, instead of going in order of easiest to hardest, it's better to mix it all up, um, instead of a hierarchy. Now I can't imagine anyone with a metaphobia agreeing to that and neither could David. So we don't do that, but at a certain point and probably you're at that point, I think you could do it now. Like yeah. listen to sounds and not not know what you're getting, right? It might be bad. It might be not. Yeah, yeah. I because think it's that uncertainty. It's the it's the unwillingness to live with uncertainty that is a problem for metaphobics. You know, some people say it's about control, but I don't like to. I think that's kind of like I think it's kind of mean to say that we're all control freaks. I don't think we are. I think we are, we just are afraid of things that we are the unknown. We don't know. We are afraid of risk. We don't want to risk 
getting sick. We don't want to risk getting food poisoning, right? You don't yeah. want to risk yeah. the chicken, even though billions of chickens are eaten every day, yeah. you know, and, and people, <laughs> right? You don't care because one time you might get sick from a chicken. So yeah, we have to learn to live with the risk. Yeah, um, because we do, it. we do it in other areas of our lives. You, I mean, you probably drive a car, right? And on yeah. the wrong side of the road at that, you know, <laughs> Yeah. And and you're way more likely to be like to die in a car than you are from anything to do with vomiting. Like, I know. And just, I kind of, I listened yeah. to your episode about um, norovirus. Um, oh, yes. And that's been really helpful, actually, because it's just made me just, it just grounds me sometimes when I'm starting. I mean, it's the, over here, it's the season where everyone's getting ill and, and that's going around the school. Yeah. And actually, I can just think of that and think, no, no, it's fine. Like, it's not going to be that bad, yeah. kind of. And so that's yeah. really, it's it's just grounding yourself and remembering those things, at being able to tell yourself those things at the time, isn't it? And I think like, um, right. like the boss right. analogy in the book, like your yeah. monster, yeah. It's, it's just, it's being it, able to and- do, which you can't do all the time. You can't do that if you're no. right in it sometimes, but it's, it's, yeah, right. it's just yeah. W- working towards that, isn't it? So let's, let's for the benefit of our listeners that, that aren't familiar, the bus analogy, which I, I really like, um, these metaphors that, that Ken Goodman uses come from um, a type of therapy called ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy. And, and that part of that is, is is a lot of metaphors and so he's got this one about driving the you're driving a bus and you're trying to drive to your destination and there's a guy in the back that's just a real pain in the neck is that is that the metaphor you're referring to yeah and it's about getting him back to the back of the bus like and just kind of right but I that's a really that's the way that I learn that that's the that kind of really is my kind of learning style having that kind of visual and being able to think of that so yeah it's it's a really good right. way I don't imagine yes. it's everybody's way of learning but it is a re- it does really help me yeah. so um but yeah it's just yeah, ta- and, yeah. and you, you're trying to kind of you give a name to your monster and you kind of mm-hmm. you can draw it and things and then it, it kind of um yeah personifies it a bit right then... yes yeah so the the, the monster the the Emetophobia guy, you got to get him to the back of the bus, but you don't have to get him off the bus is the point. Like, right. You can, you can notice your anxiety. And sometimes if, I mean, if it goes sky high immediately, that's a ludicrous statement because of course you notice it. But if, if it's creeping up and you can say, oh, it's six out of 10 right now, often we try to get rid of it. Like, oh, I must control it. I must get the number down. I must, you know, when that's not really true, you don't need to get him off the bus. You just need to send him to the back. So you just need to say, okay, well, I feel it in my throat and my chest and my muscles are tight and I'm just going to carry on with what I value in life and accept that sometimes there are jerks at the back of the bus, you know, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's another one that is uh, about you tried not to invite a jerk to a party and of course the jerk finds out about the party and shows up anyway and you let him in and you know now you've let him in but if you spend the whole time trying to get rid of the jerk you won't enjoy your party at all whereas if you just ignore him and just say okay well he's here but if he's if if we're not paying much attention to him he'll probably leave and he probably won't come to the next party you know and that's kind of how it goes so 
Yeah. Oh, it's been really fun talking with you, Karen. Um, I, I'm very inspired by everything that you've done. I love that whole week of chicken. Everybody <laughs> listening who is afraid of eating chicken, take Karen's therapist's idea <laughs> and have yourself a week of chicken, including ordering it in a restaurant. And if you think you can do that, that that would probably get you over, you know, and get you enjoying some really nice chicken. So great. Thank you for for coming and participating. And um, it'll make a real difference to some people. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me.